Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has told you, human one, what is good and what the Lord requires from you, to do justice, embrace faithful love, and walk humbly with your God. Micah? How did we get to Micah? We've been traveling uh, the Gospel of Matthew for these last weeks. And remember how last week I said, you know, I'm a lectionary preacher, which means, um, remember, the, the, the scriptures have been created in a three-year cycle. So we, as your pastors and teachers, can be um, kind of doing the calendar and taking you on a journey through the whole of the Bible in those three years. But gosh darn it, the text this week was even more confusing than last. And I'm like, I just don't have it in me. So I like to create rules so then I can break them. Amen? Amen. This, oh my gosh, I'm going to, and then I'm going to tell you another little story. So this week I was with a clergy cohort, and we were just checking in with each other, like, how was your last week? How was your week? And remember last week's text of, the bridesmaids and the late groom and blood, 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 and 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 my my colleague said, "How did how did you preach that?" And then I said, "Well, of course." And then he didn't even let me finish. He goes, "Well, you know what I did? I said, church, I don't know what to say about this. Discuss among yourselves." So we had them discuss among themselves, and then they came back and they created a sermon. So that's just a, a warning idea. I think that'll be kind of fun. It's coming but not today. Today, instead, we're going to talk about two prophets, one Micah and one uh, Bayard Rustin, or Bayard, B-A, I can't get past the B-A, but Bayard Rustin. In these, in these weeks since October 7th, um, as you know, I'm very interfaithy, so I have Jewish friends, I have Muslim friends, I have Christian Arab friends, I have um, uh, Israeli, Israeli Arab friends in Jerusalem. I have friends in Bethlehem. I have friends um, in Haifa. I have, of course, American friends. We have we have been torn up with what's going on in Gaza and in the Holy Land. But I keep going back to. We have to. I I and I only speak for myself. And as I've told you all. I practice this, uh, the discipline of pacifism. So I, no matter what, I have to go back to the killing has to stop. What Hamas did was wrong and horrific and was a terrorist act. But I, as a pacifist, have to look for a response that is not to kill. So let me take you back to the time of Micah. And when, when Micah is speaking, Micah is a very short book. So um, I think it like, is like five pages in total. So if you want to go home and do some fun reading when we're done, um, it's, and it's written in a time from um, uh, 750 BCE to 700. And it was a relatively a peaceful time in the beginning of Micah's era. But then the Assyrians started saying, you know what? We want to kind of take over your kingdoms. We want to come and attack you. We want to make your life miserable. And so the attacks began. And then you have the different 
remember we have the 12 tribes. We have the different tribes re responding and reacting differently. But what's going on with God and Micah at this time is that the people of the covenant, the people of God's covenant, are sort of losing track of God. They're losing track of what it means to be a son and daughter of God. They are going away from God's law, the covenant. Remember, these are the people that roamed around in the desert for 40 years. And then, they, you know, God fed them. And they're like, God, you give us the same thing every day to eat. That's these people. That's us, right? Right? So, so they were complaining, complaining. Well, now they're kind of just living their lives without God. And God is like, I want to be in relationship with you. I want us to be together. I don't want us responding to the horrific acts that are happening in violence. And then these same people, they're like, well, God, really? So what? You want us to bring us offerings? Because remember, uh, uh, to worship, you, you take an offering. And, and the more, uh, the, the better income you have, the bit better the offerings. So, so they're like, oh, so you want us to bring us your pigeons and, and our sheep and our, and our stuff so we can prove that we are good, good God-fearing people. And God's response is, no. I want you to love, do kindness, and walk faithfully with me and with each other. I want you not to be violent, but I want you at all times to be seeking love and be seeking community and invite others in. It's not about the stuff you bring. It's about the stuff you bring. Fired Rustin, Netflix. There's your other homework assignment. Anyone heard of them before this weekend, except for my friend Gary? Okay. Well, you should have, yes. And you too, yes. So, Fired Rustin is kind of the hero of the freedom rights movement who's now finally getting some credit. And remember, as I told you, at my seminary, we had to take um, your this this class called Religion and Human Transformation. And the first section was 18 weeks studying Gandhi, and the next was 18 weeks studying King and the whole of the Civil Rights Movement. So I got introduced to uh, Bayard back, back in the 90s, back when grunge was happening and we were cool. And so um, Bayard is the great organizer behind the great speaker. Kind of like the Jesus, right? The organizer. So. Byard's getting a lot of this movie that I do recommend is all about he working with all the um, civil rights groups and leaders and doing the March on Washington in um, 1963, right? 63. And, but you know what? They tried to do it in 1941. They tried to do it in the 1950s. But they now found this moment in time. They almost didn't do it now, but Bayard said, no, now is the time. We are not getting laws passed that we've been demanding to get passed. And now we are watching on our television screens children being um, pump, pummeled by um, fire hoses and having dogs attack them, all for trying to vote, all for trying to integrate segregated places. So Bayard, who was a lifelong pacifist, 
He was raised a Quaker. His grandparents raised him in, he was born in Pennsylvania. And so he was steeped in it his whole life. And um, if anyone knows, well, let me tell you about Quakerism. Quakerism is all about equality, even equality of the genders, even before that was hip and cool. And even how you do a Quaker meeting is you sit in a circle and you wait till you are led by God to speak. And then some of us have to listen to God to not speak, right? But, um, but <laughs> that was just a little, little, little joke, little joke. So, so right? So, so, yeah, I probably wouldn't do so well in a Quaker meeting because I, he also, he said when he had to deal with his anger and he had to deal with injustice, he would go to a black church so he could sing, he could dance, he could yell, he could pray. That's, that's, that's my kind of worship. So, but, so he is steeped in that. He went for seven weeks to study with Gandhi to learn about that movement. So he has always in his mind, look, Gandhi took on a whole uh, colonizer, took on England, and won. So he's coming from that perspective as he's planning this march. And this march is like, there, there's some great scenes in, in, in the movie where he's, he's working with the Capitol Hill police and, and they have their ideas and he, of course, has his. And he's like, well, no, actually, we're going to bring down some police from New York and New Jersey and I'm going to train them in um, nonviolent um, ways of uh, engaging. And in fact, they're not going to wear police uniforms. They're going to wear white hats and white uh, smocks. And any of you that have seen any of the film footage of Martin Luther King, or I would catch John Lewis, that was quite a speech too, you see right behind them, the, the, they're kind of their escorts. So those are your New York, New Jersey police who, ha who don't have guns, who are there just to protect. That's how serious Bayard Rustin took his pacifism. He even told the police, you can't carry guns. A little tidbit, one of my uh, friends from um, my postgraduate school, my doctoral program, his uncle was one of those men. So it just comes full circle, right? We're, we're all just a step away from, from changes of the world. So it's not popular always to be a pacifist. And Bayard would get criticized for that, but he stood by it not only in the 60s, but he did it in the 70s and again in the 80s. It doesn't mean to be passive. It means to resist. So I want us to remember these prophets. <clears throat> they weren't popular in their times. And sometimes it takes 60 years plus for them even to be acknowledged for what they did. Bayard Rustin didn't just organize and just come up during the March on Washington. He was the one that organized everybody in Montgomery, too. Yeah. He is, uh, whenever anybody in any part of the movement needed help in organizing, they called him. So he was the one that was there in the 50s. He
he was the one that was there in the 60s. He was the one in the 70s and the 80s. Now the question comes up, how come we don't know about him? Well, we don't know about him because he also, also was openly gay. That's also something that took a lot of courage in the 1960s. And in fact, that is why he is usually known as the advisor. In fact, they were gonna remove him from the March on Washington because they were afraid. It's already hard enough to be, to be black and be trying to change the world, right? And so then um, there was gonna be conspiracy to tie him and Martin Luther King into like having a salacious affair. But Martin Luther King stood up and said, no, let's support him, he is my friend. And then he stayed as part of the planning team. I had a professor say to me once, an African-American professor, I, I, that was part of the civil rights movement. I go, I go, how did you do it? How did you live through it? He said, well, back in the 60s, all they could do to us was kill us. They had the faith of, a cro of the cross. And again, as I always say, none of us are being asked to be killed. It's that they were so steeped in their faith, they're like, what, what else can they take from us? But then they told me that, uh, remember when Colin Powell was gonna run for president? Well, we, I do. Colin Powell's gonna run for president. And, and this professor, I'm in DC at the time, and this professor knew Colin Powell. And he said, but Monica, this is, this is what's happened. This is what's happened. Now we don't try to harm people with a bullet. We try to harm leaders. We try to harm them by character assassination. Colin's wife was um, suffering um, mental illness at the time, and he did not want their personal life brought into the press. So he did not run for president. All the, so character assassination, that's something that people were more fearful of than being killed. That's kind of what has happened. So our lessons today here are to be a prophet isn't always popular, but it is what God asks us to do, to act justly, walk humbly in the name of our God. And it also calls us maybe to acknowledge and to embrace when others won't. So there's going to be lots of interviews that you can see about Bayard now, and you're going to get to see his, his former partner just talking about him and loving on him. And he's very happy about this movie that now he finally gets a name and gets to be remembered because he was a great thinker, a great organizer, um, a great teacher. But his name was sort of absent for 60 years. But now he has a school named after him in Pennsylvania. Uh, now he's got a study, Peace, Peace and Studies Center named after him. Um, now he's being honored by all sorts of LGBTQI uh, communities and he's on the Rainbow, Hall of, uh, the, the Rainbow Hall of Walk in San Francisco. So not only is he getting acknowledged, but he's getting acknowledged for fully who he is and whose he is.
that he's a beloved child of God. So friends, when we go from this place, let us do what Micah asks. To live faithfully, to walk humbly, and be kind to one another. Amen and amen.